Welcome to episode 64 of the Search with Canada podcast, recorded on Friday the 29th of May 2020. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and I'm blessed to be joined very remotely by Mr. Rob Lewis again. Greetings. (laughs) So uh, today we are going to be talking about the new Google core metrics and what that means for search rankings and Google Discover ads. Rob, this is the first podcast episode we've done since quarantine, isn't it? This is the first time we're speaking. It's been strange. Strange well, times. I guess, sorry, not the, not the first time we're speaking. Obviously, we speak quite a lot because we still work together, but the first time we've kind of talked on a, a podcast. And it is kind of strange because I'm, uh, I'm used to sitting at the other end of that table and seeing you drinking your Doom Bar. And <laughs> now I believe, what, what was it you're drinking now? It's a, it's a gin and tonic. A gin and tonic. It Excellent. is, so it I'm is pre- my first, just to clarify. I haven't been <laughs> drinking G&Ts all day. I'm pleased that some things haven't changed, at least while we're in quarantine. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to kick off this episode and talk about a post that happened on the Google Webmaster Central blog just yesterday. Because if you listen to our last episode, we went into depth about the new core metrics that Google is using in Lighthouse version 6 and these were around the largest contentful paint uh, around delays with interaction and my favorite which was CLS the cumulative layout shift which is Google now measuring those websites that kind of jiggle about as they load and normally end up with you clicking on you know clicking on an ad when you just wanted to find out actually what that celebrity looks like in 2020. So the post went up yesterday um, and it's it's quite interesting news. It's basically saying that Google's going to start using these metrics as search ranking signals. So I'll read out some of the post and just talk through it. So again, I will link to this post on the um, episode notes, which will be at search.withcanda.co.uk. So the post is called Evaluating Page Experience for a Better Web. And Google says, through both internal studies and industry research, users show they prefer sites with a great page experience. (laughs) Maybe not one of those things you actually need that much research on if you're calling it a great experience and sort of asking people if they prefer a great experience. But uh, they've done studies and they're trying to identify specifically what it is that makes a good page experience. So, you know, it's obvious that people like good experiences because they're good. But what Google started doing these studies is pulling apart what actually constitutes those experiences. So they've said in recent years, search has added a variety of user experience criteria, such as how quickly pages load and mobile friendliness as factors for ranking results. Earlier this month, the Chrome team announced Core Web Vitals, a set of metrics related to speed, responsiveness and visual stability to help site owners measure user experience on the web. Today, we're building on this work and providing an early look at an upcoming search ranking change that incorporates these page experience metrics. So they've immediately got the attention of every SEO when they've started talking about search ranking changes. Google says, we will introduce a new signal that combines core web vitals 
with our existing signals for page experience to provide a holistic picture of the quality of a user's experience on a web page. As part of this update, we'll also incorporate the page experience metrics into our ranking criteria for top stories feature in search on mobile and remove the AMP requirement from top stories eligibility. Google continues to support AMP and will continue to link to AMP pages when available. We've also updated our developer tools help site, uh, sorry, we've also updated our developer tools to help site owners optimize their page experience. So a couple of important things just out of that intro bit. They're removing the AMP requirement for top stories. So the new stories in Google at the moment to be eligible for those, you had to use the accelerated uh, mobile format. That's no longer going to be the case. And secondly, they've said they're combining these new signals and this is actually going to have a, a change in, you know, there's going to be ranking signals that will change how sites rank. And why I'm paying attention to this is it's not very often that firstly, Google is specific about algorithmic things that are going to change. And it's not that uh, common that they give us uh, so much notice. There is a note on the post that says about the timing, we recognize many site owners are rightfully placing their focus on responding to the effects of COVID-19. The ranking changes described in this post will not happen before next year, and we will provide at least six months notice before they're rolled out. We're providing the tools now to get you started and because site owners have consistently requested to know about ranking changes as early as possible, which is fair enough. So we're going, that's not saying it's going to happen in six months. They're saying it's happening next year at the earliest, but they're also going to give us at least six months notice before they're rolled out, which may sound like a long time, but especially from my experience with maybe larger clients with developer teams that already have, you know, lots of kind of tickets open and things in their uh, pipeline, six months isn't a huge amount of notice to get these kind of changes done. They've gone into a little bit more detail about page experience, saying the page experience signal measures aspects of how users perceive the experience of interacting with a web page. And that's quite important. We, I spoke in the last podcast around um, when pages load, having them partially load up rather than kind of stay blank until they're fully loaded. Although the total load time is different, the experience and perception of the user is that the page is faster and they're kind of more satisfied with that in general. They say optimizing for these factors makes the web more delightful for users across all web browsers and surfaces and helps sites evolve towards user expectations on mobile. We believe this will contribute to business success on the web as users grow more engaged and can transact with less friction. Core Web Vitals are a set of real-world user-centered metrics that quantify key aspects of the user experience. They measure dimensions of web usability, such as load time, interactivity, and stability of content. So if you want to know um, any more about them, I suggest you listen to the last episode if you haven't already, um, because we go into a detail about the three new metrics, what they are and what they mean. They've also provided a helpful image that shows the current search signals they're using to measure page experience and the new core web vitals. So we already know to measure page experience, Google looks at mobile friendliness. 
so if a page basically works and is navigable easily on a mobile, they look at safe browsing. So that's something you can get feedback on through Google Search Console, uh, making sure like your site's not serving up malware to people. HTTPS, so having a secure connection we know is a ranking signal. And of course, no intrusive interstitials or pop-ups or anything like that, which again, sometimes catches people out. So even if you do it wrong, things like a, a language select pop-up um, that's done badly can actually impact these signals for page experience. So they're adding to this the um, loading metric, which is largest contentful paint, interactivity, which is the first input delay, FID, and visual stability, the cumulative layout shift, CLS. So as I said, I won't go into detail about these because we did that in the last episode. One interesting thing that I did read is that these core web vitals, while this is what Google has said, these are what we believe are good metrics to describe a good page experience. They have said that these may not actually remain the same over the years. So as technology changes, as user expectations change, Google's saying we may actually change these metrics. So they're always going to be metrics, these core web vitals that describe what a great page experience is about. So the summary that Google gives is, you know, they believe user engagement will improve as experiences on the web become better. And these new signals are basically going to help make the web better for everyone so you can get these new uh, web core vitals from google search console now and this is something i personally would start to make inroads in um, looking at the scores you are getting and seeing where where you can improve and you know as as kind of google saying here hopefully anyway improving these things outside of seo you should hopefully be able to improve conversion and just generally make your visitors a bit happier So a couple of days ago, Google made an announcement that it was going to be globally rolling out um, its Discover ad format. And previously, it was only rolled out on a limited basis. Um, and this is um, an ad format which shows on Google feeds. Um, primarily, it shows on the Google Discover feed. And for those that don't know what the Google Discover feed is, it might just be easier if I read their own description of it. Uh, which is as follows. Discover shows users a mix of content based on your interactions with Google products or content that you choose to follow directly. And we're not limited to what's published today. If we think that a user would find earlier content industry interesting, then Discover will show it. Um, basically, it's it's a bespoke feed to show you content that, you, that Google thinks you will find interesting. And I have to say, I really like it. I use it all the time, all day. I'm constantly. And this, this is this is on the Google app, right? You can install. Yeah. So on my phone, I just I swipe to the right, um, and I have my own news feed essentially. And I I much prefer using it to Google News because it it's where I go to view the lighter-hearted stuff that interests me, 
um, you know, where I'm shielded from the state of the world, essentially, and, and <laughs> politics. So I really need to get on this. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, so I've looked at Google Discover quite a lot just from a work point of view, but mm. I've ne- I don't actually use it myself because I, I try and set my phone up so it has like the least possible information about me and what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, of course, that, that, that does make sense. I mean, I, I, I find it really useful, though, um, for my niche interests. And also, I, it's, it's useful because when I'm Googling stuff about my kids' interests, I get up-to-date notifications about the latest Fortnite update and things like that that I need to know about that my kids are into. So it's, <laughs> um, it's, it's a really nice little little tool to have. And, and this is where I'm really interested in it as a marketer because I think if ever there was a place to be shown an advert for something that caters to your own individual tastes uh, to be sold a product that you are interested in in my opinion it will be on the google discover feed and just to clarify though that the 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 announcement they've made the discover ad format doesn't just show on google the google discover feed it also shows adverts on the youtube home uh, and watch next feeds and also if you've got a promotions tab in your gmail account they may show there as well so it's it's an ad format that's catered primarily to people's individual feeds and those feeds may show on youtube google discover and gmail and i've i've been experimenting with the setup of the campaign today and it's it's a new format for me i've i've i don't unfortunately at this point have any historic performance insights to share Um, at this moment i'm still waiting for the ads to be approved by google it seems as though it takes a bit of a fair time for their reviews team to to approve them Um, but setting them up is, is quite straightforward you just create a new campaign as you normally would in google ads and you have a brand new campaign type so whereas before you've had search shopping display you you now have a new display uh, campaign type called discovery um so when you're filtering through different campaign types you now have discovery showing as well now there's some interesting facts about running a discovery campaign that i think is important to share the first is that there's no manual bidding um, they've removed manual bidding, bidding and it only uses tar- target CPA as a bidding method now. There are no device targeting options, so you can't show ads primarily on mobile or desktop. It's it's whatever Google decides to show it on. There's no frequency capping and you're not able to add exclusions. So Google has stated it will automatically manage it itself and will do its best to make sure that it won't show adverts um, around sensitive topics. So it is a much more automated solution, but you do still have control over who you want to target. Uh, so where your ads will show, you're limited, but who you can show the ads to, that's that's where you, you maintain full control. Um, so you can set it up as you would a normal remarketing campaign. You can use your standard remarketing lists and audiences. Um, and if that's successful, if you get um, if you get conversions at a good CPA, you can consider expanding it as an outreach platform as well. The only thing Google have said is that if you're using it, um, if you're using custom intent um, audiences, it's only it, it only supports keyword targeting at this time. You can't use URL intent targeting. So it's it's worth bearing that in mind if your custom intent lists contain URLs as part of your your list. You can only use keywords at this point. Um, a few other things they've announced about it that's worth bearing in mind. 
they're recommending that you set your daily budget to 10 times the amount that you've set your target CPA, which in my opinion is pretty high. I can understand totally why they're saying that, that they want, uh, they want to give it time for the algorithm to learn what works best. Obviously, not every advertiser has enough budget to do 10 times per day worth of their target CPA, especially when they're trialing a new channel such as this. Um, it's so unlike Google to ask you to put your budget up as well. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm just, just a question then. So if you were if you were trying to do lead generation and you had sort of fairly high value leads, um, and maybe you wanted to run a PPC account and you only wanted like four leads a month, like one a week, that'd be quite difficult to do. Then I guess if you know if you had a lead that's worth you know four hundred pounds. So they're asking you to set then a, a £4,000 a day budget. Yeah. And they're saying do that as a data collection exercise as well, <laughs> you know, okay. to begin with, to get this algorithm to work. I have to say, it's interesting that you mentioned leads um, because at the moment, I feel as though the way the Google Discover feed is set up, it, it caters very well to, to e-com, specifically to, to products, to fashion um, and in fact, I'm actually trialing it at the moment for one of one of my fashion clients. So um, I'm interested to see the results there. But but one of the ways in which it charges you is it, it charges you per interaction with the cards. And just to just to clarify, it doesn't actually call them ads. It calls them discovery cards. And there are two formats that you can choose. There's um, a, just a static card which comprises several images. Um, but there's also an interactable carousel format where you can slide and look at multiple cards. And obviously, if you slide, then that in itself is an interaction. Um, so it, I think at the moment, visual brands will really flourish on this type of ad format. Um, but it's early days. It awaits to be seen how well it's going to do. Um, but in my opinion, um, one of the things that Google really needs to to work on is its custom intent algorithm and in my experience when trialing it on the display network i've had very very mixed results and different types of traffic quality often um on the lower end of the traffic quality spectrum and it's a I've, very polite way to put it <laughs> yeah, I've, I've put it a bit harsher in the past um, but um, so this does sound this does sound uh like a very hands-off method of uh of running ads and it, it reminds me because quite a few it was quite a few episodes ago now uh, one of your predictions was google is moving away from um kind of keywords and slowly trundling towards this intent based yes um bidding process do you yeah. think that's kind of what we're seeing with discover because discover is all about not what you're searching for isn't it it's google guessing what the next thing is you know yeah and it's it's about better understanding your lifestyle and what makes you unique. And one of the things I've, I've constantly found um, over the years, more so now, is that every single search query on Google is so unique in scope. Everyone's um, unique requirement is unique to them. And when clients used to say to me in the past, oh, what's my top 10 keywords? It's very difficult to share that information now because everyone's unique search query is unique to them. Um, and I think the Google Discover feed is very much um, a representation of that because it's your own it's your own little universe of things that you're interested in. 
And I think all of that is additional data for Google and it gives marketers a much better much better chance to create truly unique niche targeting options to show ads to the people that need your product and who would genuinely be interested in your products. So for me, I'm excited. It's a great ad format and I can't wait to start experimenting with it. So one of the, the challenges we face as a kind of digital marketing industry is the um, decreasing reliability of being able to deliver people cookies, essentially. So we, you know, you used to be able to just give your kind of marketing tracking cookies to everyone. And obviously there's a lot more uh, regulation about what we can do now and lots of ways people are just automatically blocking cookies. So we can't, you know, add them to audience lists and we can't track multiple visits. And so it's harder to get these behavior patterns. So I guess what Google's being able to do there, like you said, is actually more powerful than what we've previously been able to do with web cookies because they're getting all of these touch points and interactions through the phone and the app and the connected other Google services to build. So if anything, we're getting a better picture, aren't we, of, yeah. of the consumer? Mm. Well, Google's getting a better picture of the consumer and is allowing us mm. to <laughs> to pull levers blindly <laughs> and uh, rely on them to steer us. So I think that's quite an interesting thing. I think it's interesting and worrying in the same sense that at least with web cookies that, you know, people have worries about privacy and, you know, whether they're founded or not with, with cookies and companies having that kind of bit of usage data. But one of the at least silver linings, I guess, in a way for me on that was that at least that data is distributed over lots of different companies and different people and they all have a bit of the picture because what we're seeing now i guess is the con you know now that's being taken away you're just being ended up ending up with a few companies that have all the data on people and very detailed pictures because we've become you know very uh, very reliant on their their products right yeah and i think also because we we work within the marketing industry we understand that although we have access to target people based on their interests, we don't actually know who they are. All we know is that we are showing adverts to people that have an interest in that particular niche. We don't know that their name is Mark Williams Cook and that they have an interest in X, Y, Z. Um, I wondered where you were going with that then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, I think a lot of um, uh, the people that are exposed to these adverts probably do have a worry that, that that maybe us as marketing agencies or advertisers are collating this personal data um, and, and understanding all of their interests and desires. But obviously that's, that's not the case to us. It's just X number of people had an interest in this and we've showed ads to that many people. It's, it's, it's basically the extent to what we see when we're managing yeah. these campaigns. Yeah. We need to keep telling people that to put their, to put their fears to bed you know we don't know your deepest darkest desires just yet as marketers by name at least anyway rob thank you so much again for your time joining us during quarantine and we will be back on monday june the 8th with another episode as usual if you are enjoying the podcast please do subscribe drop us a note let us know if you've got any questions for us um do send them in we do do the occasional q a session and otherwise i hope you'll tune in next week and we'll see you all then
Goodbye.